Oh, yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why is it old people say there's no place like home? Yet when you put them in one... Hi, America, hello, well. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am (laughs) your host. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you. To bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you've just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you've just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea that Michelle is yet to knock over with tonight's guests somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh and shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me start by introducing our guests. Firstly, the mysterious and Vesson Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather's parents used to say, Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but the moments that take our breath away. Which was disappointing as Heather is an acute asthmatic. Welcome to the Aww. show, Miss Morris. <gasps> oh no! Where's the inhaler? We'll find it by the end. I also wish to introduce the mad and crazy Michelle Corey. Michelle was born and raised in Moira, Minnesota, and has a keen and avid interest in all things paranormal. Michelle realised that life is like a box of chocolates. It doesn't last long if you're fat. <laughs> oh God. Welcome to the show, Michelle. (laughs) Thank you. 79, this is Series 2, Episode 79. 79 is a happy prime number, and it's also a lucky number, which makes it a lucky prime number, a happy prime number, and apparently a sexy prime number. 
Nice. I'm not making this up. All those things are mathematical terms. They really exist, which makes him an ideal date in many respects. He also makes his own pasta and is very good around children. 79 is the atomic number of gold. My mother, just before her wedding anniversary, told my dad she had a dream about receiving gold. My dad said, just wait a few days and you'll understand what that dream means. She was not very happy when on the big day my dad gave her a dream analysis book. Uh, Live 79 was an album of the band Hawkwind that contained the bassist and vocalist Lemmy who went on to form Motorhead. In my experience, what is the difference between a heavy rock lead singer and a terrorist? You can, of course, negotiate with a terrorist. On this very day, in 1979, two families fled from East Germany in a hot air balloon. Early experiments with a cold air balloon never took off. We have a mailbag. I love this show. Have I mentioned this? I love uh-huh. this show. This is a highlight of my week. Now, each week I read out the mailbag. I love receiving all of your messages, all of your letters. Oh, boy. All of your postings. Alan in Kansas posted, thank you for letting me join your public network. I found your show two months ago and I've laughed the whole time. I love hearing the interaction between British and American humour. That's not going so well for me tonight. I I have to be honest, not going as well as I would have hoped. But it's early doors and alls to play for. I'm now always in anticipation of hearing a snort that sets you people off. I love it. Okay, we'll wait for that. Okay, we'll wait. I can't control it. That's what your uh, judge said to you. You have a fine show, sir. This is very kind of him. He goes on to say, this is Alan in Kansas. He goes on to say, I've got several of my friends in this small Kansas town listening to a YouTube post. You now have more listeners in this small part of the world. Yes. So thank you Thanks, for Alan. that. Several things there. Firstly, he's telling all his friends and family. So if you love our show, if you follow our show, if you appreciate what we do, it is free of charge, of course. No funds are being made here. This is absolutely free for the love of the paranormal and just making people laugh. Do tell your friends and family about that if you wish to do so. If you're listening now online on darkmatterdigitalnetwork.com at 8 p.m. on a Friday evening, Central Time, why not post what you're listening to? Why not advertise our show as we speak at this very minute in time and try and get as many people listening as possible? He also mentions there that he's directed many of his friends to our YouTube site. So if you're not aware of this, we have a YouTube channel. It's called More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. There are some outtakes on there, some funny stories from the round of Not For Your Mother that we couldn't read out live on air that are very, very funny. I guarantee if you look up the story with the gentleman that had the rather large appendage, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee, you'll see it all written, you'll know what I'm talking about. That will be the funniest six minutes of your life. Your ears will love you forever. Well, at least maybe you're weak. You're weak. I guarantee. <laughs> your life, people have you're weak, to that. whatever. <laughs> it's close. If you're a housefly, it's the same thing, I'm led to believe. All the same, all the same thing. So many thanks for that. People can go and look those wondrous things up. Thank you, Alan in Kansas. Kathy in Minnesota has written, best show ever. Loved Heather's mailbag comment about having some guy with an accent with her. 
That was good. <laughs> I will mention, we didn't well, talk about this fully last week, but Alva was in fact the gentleman responsible for saying he loved Heather. Yay. And then the guy with the accent. Yay. I see where I stand. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he did post that. I'm sorry for not reading your name out last week. But there we are. If you wish to post any comments, if you wish to look at all of tonight's stories, if you wish to get involved in all the paranormal discussions and all the wondrous, weird and amazing things, you can go onto Facebook. We have a Facebook site, More Questions and Answers, with Adrian Lee. There are far more stories of the strange, the weird, the bizarre and paranormal that we can't read out just because an hour isn't long enough. If you go on there, you'll see all of the stories. Some of the stories tonight have video attached to them when we're talking about ghosts and UFOs and cryptozoology. Other stories have photographs. There's many wondrous things on there. That's more questions than answers with Adrian Lee. On Facebook, we have archives. We have over three years worth of archives. They're very popular. You can access them for free, for absolutely nothing, anytime of the night and day if you go to soundcloud.com and search for mqta radio everything will be on there for you you can listen to them in the car whilst you're jogging walking the dog doing the housework just sitting at home (laughs) with your family laughing heartily at my dulcet tones we're also on itunes tuning radio and stitches you have no excuse for not finding us and we're also on twitch if you go to adrian underscore lee underscore tips that's tips for the international paranormal society you will find my twitter account we have nearly eighty-five thousand followers on there and of course i have a book out at the moment it's available on amazon and all good bookshops it's called how to be a christian psychic what the bible says about healers mediums and paranormal investigators and once more this is completely free i've read out three chapters of that book on youtube So if you're interested in what the Bible says about stones and crystals, about meditation or about healing from a paranormal perspective, they are free. You can listen to those anytime you want. They are currently on YouTube. Now, last week we investigated Birch Cooley Battlefield. Do you remember we sat out there on a Friday night on the anniversary of the battle, being eaten alive by mosquitoes, seeing snakes moving through the undergrowth in the prairie? Yes. I went back. I went back today because, do you remember on your DVR, your digital voice recorder, during that investigation, you picked up the sound of Native American music and Native American drumming going on in the background. Mm -hmm. And for those of you that don't know, the Battle of Birch Cooley took place near a town called Morton. It's in Renville County in Minnesota. It took place at the beginning of September 1862. It was the biggest conflict or the biggest loss of life during the Lakota Sioux Uprising. It was between the Santee Sioux and a U.S. Cavalry Division. And the Cavalry Division decided to camp there for the night. And they weren't out doing anything other than burying bodies. So they weren't really prepared for combat. They'd been sent out of Fort Ridgely to bury all the pioneers that had been massacred and were just laying next to their houses. And I think up until that point, they'd buried 16 pioneers that had died during the Sioux Uprising. So they weren't really there for combat. The guy that was leading them was a bit of a pen pusher and a bit of a an administrator rather than a leader of men shall we say and they camped in a very vulnerable position and the Sioux decided to take full advantage of that pinned them down for two days solid killed over 20 men injured and wounded over 47 I believe the number was and over 90 horses were massacred it was the biggest loss of life for the U.S. Army during the Sioux uprising but you got yourself some really fabulous EVPs didn't you there was yes 
The best thing to do, I thought today, was to go back. I have some drums. I have a flute. I decided to go back, sit out there, and bang away at my drums to see what would happen. I thought, if we can hear drums playing, Native American-type music, I guess you'd call it, chanting, on our EVPs, recorded on our digital voice recorders, I'm going to go out there and bang a drum and blow on a flute and see what happens. See what gets stirred up. I'm sure there's people downwind a mile down the road on a farm thinking I can hear Native American banging of drums. But it was me. I was doing that. It worked. I had a gentleman come through. If you recall on last week's show, I said a gentleman came through to talk to me and he said his name was Notto. Notto Jensen. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. He came through. You're looking at me as if I'm mental. I always look at you like that. I know. More so today. <laughs> What's different? Have you had coffee, Mountain Dew? What's the issue here? Yes, coffee, half a cup of sugar. Got Do it. Feel free to jump in at any moment. <laughs> but a gentleman came, Notto Jensen came through. He said that he was there during the battle. I got his name. And I wasn't sure whether he spelt it. Notto's a very unusual name, isn't it? N-O-T-T-O. I went and did some research. I found this gentleman. He really existed. He was at that battle. I've got his mustering in and mustering out papers, plus his pension details. And he was actually listed as being in that battle at that time. But in one document, his name was listed as Notto. And in another document, his name was listed as Natto, N-A. And of course, it's down to the scribe and the person mm. who's writing it down. I'm guessing he's Norwegian or Scandinavian. So if he's got a bit of an accent there going on, the person's going to scribe that wrong. There's many a census form, isn't there, that's been scribed wrong because the person can't write particularly well or just doesn't hear the accent properly. So I said, are you there? And on the ghost box, he comes through and he says, I'm here. This is Notto. I was talking to the guy. The drumming worked. It stirred things up. That's called the Singapore theory when you play music from the period. If you go into an old cinema and you play the old Wurlitzer organ music, for example, or you go into an old mansion house and you play some track from the 1910s, you know, on an old gramophone player. That's called the Singapore effect. You're trying to stir up an atmosphere, an atmosphere that's safe for those spirits. They recognize that it's familiar for them. And I said, you spell your name N-O, Notto, or is it Natto, N-A? And loud and clear, he came through and said Notto. So I'm now going to say his name's Notto. I asked him if he was married, and he said yes. Someone in the background kept saying B. So I don't know whether that was his wife, and her name was B, or whether that was Company B. He was in Company B, Cavalry Unit. He kept saying B. I asked him how old he was. He said 28. I said, uh, are you married? He said, yes, of course. I said, well, how many years have you been married? And he said, eight. So I'm guessing he got married at 20, right? I can research this. I know this guy. This guy actually existed. I have his paperwork. If you want proof that the paranormal exists, you go and do all this investigation. You get all this evidence that people can hear. I can play this on the show next week, all of these responses. And then you go to the Historical Society and you find him. He really exists. And I didn't know this guy before I arrived. This is quite remarkable. The one thing I want to end on with this was I asked him, because I thought a lot of responses were coming through. I could hear lots of voices all shouting at once. And at that point, you say, can you just come through one at a time? If you're all shouting, it's just going to sound like noise. It'll be very muddy and polluted. So I did say to him, look, I just want to chat with you and I'll talk to the others later. I asked him how many were there looking at me, observing me at that moment in time. And he said 30. He said there was 30 spirits at that moment looking at me and observing me. And because I'm sceptical, I said, 
what colour shirt am I wearing then? And he replied, green. And I am wearing a green shirt. This is remarkable it's times. Mint. Oh, for the love of <laughs> God. <laughs> and he decided to say olive. But in actual fact, it was slightly more sage. So I can just discount that. I had a 20-minute conversation with this guy. And you're picking up. And picking apart what shade of green my shirt is. I'm going to take a picture of my shirt. We will post it online. People can say. It's green. Mint. It's green. It's mint. It's not olive. It's not sage. It's not bottle green. It is green, though. It's Dairy Queen mint. That'll be mint. Oh, I see where you're going. Oh. Dairy Queen seems to be very prominent in your life, doesn't it? It does. That seems, you're very argumentative today, aren't you? You're feisty. Coffee, sugar. Coffee, I know. I'm gonna have to, I'll am gonna. i be arm wrestling you before the end of this show's out. I'll be you winning. You can be sure of that. We move into the round. That is ghosts and colour theory awareness. <laughs> Sky Sports fans freaked out after spotting an unexplained ghostly figure live on air. Viewers tuning into Monday Night Football earlier this week following Sunderland's match against Everton were disturbed after catching sight of a dark silhouette behind Jamie Carragher and Phil Neville. The chilling apparition was seen walking across the deserted pitch before bizarrely disappearing into thin air. Moments afterwards, Twitter was inundated with recordings of the televised footage. One creeped out fan commented, Did anyone else notice the ghostly groundsman? During the show, neither Carragher or Neville were aware of the disturbing figure lurking behind them on Sunderland's Stadium of Light pitch. The football pundits are yet to comment on this bizarre incident. This is really odd and really strange. I've seen this clip many times. Yeah. You know, at the end of the soccer match, you have a couple of pundits and they're sat there and there's a glass window behind Mm -hmm. them and you can see the pitch in the background and everyone's left the stadium. They're still talking about the match. And there's a groundsman out there with a fork or doing whatever groundsman And torch. Fiddling. A fork and a torch. A pitchfork and a torch. I was thinking a food fork. (laughs) Yes, there's a groundsman out there eating the grass. Only Australians' girlfriends do that. <gasps> oh, there goes our Australian Controversial. Listeners. I'm sorry, Please Tanya. Please come back. And this guy is walking across the pitch in the background over Jamie Carragher's shoulder. He used to be a player that played for Liverpool back in the day. He's now a pundit. And the guy's walking across the pitch. You can see him. And he suddenly disappears into thin air. Later on in the interview at the end of the game, you can see him over another shoulder of another pundit. And the guy, I don't know if it's the same guy, if you're a dead groundsman, it is possible that you could haunt your place of work. When we do investigations, when we travel all over the world doing paranormal investigations, a large percentage of the spirits and ghosts we find are people that still believe they want to work in that building. So if you go to the hotel, you come across maids, you come across the manager of the hotel. If you go to the brewery, there's people that still think they're brewing beer. If you go to the hospital, there's still nurses and doctors. If you go to the pioneer school, there's still teachers thinking they're teaching, still wanting to teach. They have a choice. They enjoy teaching. They want to do that. Is it not possible that a groundsman could still keep looking after the pitch after he's died. You can go to our Facebook site more questions and answers with Adrian Lee and you can decide for yourself. The grass was particularly green. I wouldn't say it was minty, but it was definitely a nice heavy jade would be my best. Laguni? It was a bit laguni. Jade laguni. 
There you go. Miss Morris, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? I have terrifying footage shows woman being pushed over by an evil ghost. What if it was just trying to get her attention? Could have been. Could have been. Well, let's hear it then. Let's and we'll decide. We'll decide on a factor of zero to ten how evil this ghost is. In the footage filmed by CCTV camera in an unknown location, mm, suspect Mm. already, the woman innocently washes her face over a small sink. Once she has finished, she shakes her hands dry over the sink and begins to walk towards the door of the dark bathroom. Does she adjust her underwear? (laughs) No. Keep going. Make it up. No. But she doesn't dry her hands and she's walking in a dark bathroom. I think it's a setup. Drip dry. (laughs) But as she does so, a strange presence swoops up behind her and appears to shove her in the back. In the clip, a dark shadow can be made out seemingly following the woman before she is hit. She manages to keep her balance, but the slow motion replay shows how the ghostly figure has caused her to trip up. The creepy video has racked up a whopping 323,000 hits on its YouTube channel, with thousands of viewers being left totally spooked by the clip. One said, I'm so... So scared after watching this. This is your acting coming out now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I and see where we are. another commented, how the duck am I going to sleep now? No sleep for you, madam. No ducking. No, no ducking for you. <laughs> Perhaps it was her mother. How many times has your mother said, go and wash your hands? She doesn't push me. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it was my mom. Your mother. Might have been your mom. My mother was always Yo saying, mama. Adrian, go and wash your hands. <laughs> Because I was always playing in the dirt. I used to love playing in the dirt. I'm so glad you said dirt. Dirt. It's very, very grounding. (laughs) I used to be out there as a little boy with my little trucks, my little diggers, all my little toys. I had all the construction set, all the Mm -hmm. little cars, and I used Mm -hmm. to sit out there and dig to my heart's content. I was very happy sat in a hole in the ground. I can get you another hole. Very grounding. (laughs) You're feisty tonight. I don't like this. I want the old Heather Morris back. Where's the old one? I don't like this new one. I'm going to get it changed. We're going to do Michelle's story. I'm going to swap out this Heather Morris and get another one. The time-traveling one? The time-traveling Heather Morris. I guarantee you haven't got a time machine because you'd have come back and told me about it. (laughs) True enough. Three teens who tried to summon an evil Mexican ghost had to be exercised for more than five hours after they were possessed by demons. Oh, is this that one that they did on YouTube? You... I tell you what, I don't understand why it takes five hours to exercise. To exercise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I've never done it. I used to go on runs when I was married. I used to go on runs and, and they not come home. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Let me dinner wait. Oh no, there we go. There we are. You can't beat a good marriage joke, can you, to get Michelle going? Fantastic. First one of the night. There's people in a small town in Kansas that are currently beside themselves. They probably have a drinking game. What a drinking game. Everyone around the world has just taken a shot. 
There's people in Japan and Brazil, Vietnam, France. We brought the whole world together in a drinking game. That makes me so happy. They're going to be drunk by the end of the evening. Yay! This show's like going to sound so much better. I'm looking forward to your reading, by the way. Five hours. No, I used to go for a run. Yes, I know. I'd be back so soon. She'd say, have you forgotten something? <laughs> Good times. Surely... Once you command them in the name of God, the deal is done. You shouldn't have to battle for five hours. Even in the Bible, it says don't pray monotonously over and over again. In some religions where you chant or you have the, the beads and you say a prayer in Buddhist culture, the Bible actually says don't repeat, don't do the same thing over and over again. You only have to tell me once along those lines. Okay. What are you doing for five hours? Surely I if I know. came up to Miss Morris now, put my hand on her forehead and said, demons be gone. Firstly, she would feel something slowly starting to come out of her body. But secondly, it's a, it's a done deal. You haven't got, surely you haven't got to mess around for five hours. They're either gone or they're not gone. There's no middle ground. There's no battle taking place. We've heard throughout the entire Bible that good defeats evil. Okay. So you shouldn't have to battle. Once you've done the business, you should be good to go, shouldn't you? I would Five think hours. so. You'd like the, to think, yeah. The girls were filmed screaming and convulsing on the floor of a church after taking the Ouija board-inspired Charlie Charlie Challenge. Yeah, there it is, the Charlie Charlie In King. a clip of the exorcism, one of the teens can be seen lurching forward and trying to grapple with another youngster. She is quickly restrained by police and church workers. You know you're having a good day. We're in the same room. You have police and church workers wow. who are clutching Bibles in a desperate bid to revive the girls. The clergy tried to exercise the girls for five hours by <laughs> frantically reciting prayers before the youngsters were transferred to a local health centre in Iquitos, Peru. A source said the girls apparently played the famous Charlie Charlie and apparently made contact with this game in this place and were possessed by this demon. Thousands of youngsters have played the challenge with many claiming they've been able to communicate with a Mexican ghost called Charlie. All good one. Winning. Lots of people in London and New York and Los Angeles have been wandering around in a possessed state after doing Charlie. It is supposedly oh. an ancient Mexican tradition involving placing two pencils on a piece of paper in the shape of a cross before writing the words yes and no inside the four squares formed by the pencils. Isn't that a normal school test? It might be in this country. In Britain, we have to answer <laughs> questions. So you're telling me in America to get through school. Just cross a couple pencils and write yes and no. No, and you're good to go. In my class. <laughs> this explains a vast amount, doesn't it? Cultural differences. I know. Brave participants then repeat the words, Charlie, Charlie, are you here to summon a visit from a demon? Since Ugh. when, as a demon? Been named Charlie? Been named Charlie. They're not I called Charlie. No. Dave. No. Colin. Mm -mm. We have books due to our profession, yes. due to our paranormal investigations. Yes. It is wise to read up on all things that you could be coming across. Correct. Uh, we have books, Yep. dictionaries mm -hmm. on demonic entities, yes. how to deal with them, what their names are, what they bring, the problems they have with them. The hierarchy. We do not read their names out. Because if you read their names out, like Rumpelstiltskin, if you remember the nursery rhyme, they will arrive. Mm -hmm. They will show themselves because their names are so specific 
and so unusual that you couldn't say them by accident or in any other means. Right. They are not called Charlie. No. They're not called Dave. No. They're not called Colin. No. So these things do make me wonder. But those who don't say goodbye to Charlie reportedly experience paranormal situations such as hearing voices, things being moved, shadows and sinister laughing. Couldn't it just be a spirit then? If you've got a demonic entity, if the worst it can do is move things around, show itself in the shadows occasionally and conduct sinister laughing, is that all you've got? That's is a that kid. all you've got? Yeah. This is the ghost of a teenager. <laughs> They're being haunted by teenagers. This is not a demonic entity, no. although I grant you there's a fine line. It's the ghost of a teenager. Let's read that back. The worst it can do, hearing voices. Oh, I can hear some voices in the background. Let me go and get an exorcist. Things being moved. Oh, my coffee cup just moved across the table. Shadows. Can't really describe that. We're, this is the medium of radio. And sinister, <laughs> sinister laughing. <laughs> One chocolate meringue. That's not, that's not demonic. No. That's ridiculous. Mm -mm. I find that remarkable. That is a teenager. Those chuckles were not from the very gates of Hades, I tell you. In many no. respects, that sounds like a ghost trying to get someone's attention. Yeah. If you went into a haunted building, someone's house, and they said, oh, we've had some trouble with ghosts. Can you find out what's here? And I say, what are the problems? What are you having? They will turn around and say, well, occasionally we hear voices. Yeah. I saw something Check. move on the dinner table. Mm -hmm. Out of the corner of my eye, I see a shadow. Yep. That's someone haunting their house. Right. That's dem not demonic. There's no smelling of sulfur. There's no blood pouring out of the walls. No. There's no snuffling. No one's being scratched here, are they? No. So I think they need to reclassify that. Charlie is probably a ghost who wants some attention. Probably. And they're giving it the energy of attention. I'm giving it the energy of attention now just by reading that out. And I shall give myself two points. I have now moved up <laughs> oh, to a resplendent... For Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Is this a ghost pedaling a bicycle? Spooky footage shows the wheel spinning around even though no one is near it. This is a spooky moment. The pedals and the wheel of a bicycle begin spinning around even though it is chained up and no one is standing near it. The chilling clip, thought to have been filmed in Thailand, was posted to Facebook and has already been viewed more than 85,000 times. A so, possessed bicycle? No. A ghost on a bicycle? No, it's exercising a spirit. Oh. For five hours! Why am I here? <laughs> I like it, Heather. That's the best you've got, is it? After three years, that's the best you can do. That's yeah. point material. Okay, oh. you're on minus two. Thank you, Michelle. Haunted bicycle. Oh no. Someone's going to be drinking a shot somewhere in Western Samoa. There we go. Get it down, yeah. And after going viral online, many people say that they suspect the unexplained movement of the bike could be down to a ghost. The clip showing the bicycle in a yard chained to the ground as a shadow, shadowy figure hangs over it. Eventually, the pedals start to move around, and the back wheel of the bike starts spinning furiously. And all of this happens despite the fact that there is no rider sitting on top. Wouldn't this be great if you're laying in bed going to sleep? I'm led to believe that when you're asleep, your spirit can leave your body. It can go 
and do wondrous things while you're asleep. This is why you're not meant to throw a bucket of water over somebody or wake them up mm. quickly. Because their spirit could be doing all manner of incredible things somewhere else in the universe. I hope mine has something more interesting to do than ride a bike. Well, you could do all your exercise. You could wake <laughs> up fit is where we are. But what I'm saying is you could exercise in your sleep. Wouldn't it be a fabulous if we can do an invention that takes your spirit out of your body so while you're sleeping, it's in the gym and on the bicycle and in the morning, you've lost a couple of stones in weight. You're fitter. A couple of stones. <laughs> a couple of stones in weight. This is where we are. Do continue, Michelle. I like the idea, though, of having a fitness gym just for dead people and spirits to arrive. Hmm. Well, later, to add to the unexplained event, a bucket sitting on top of a flat table can be seen tipping over and falling onto the floor. The footage then ends with a man coming out of the house and into the backyard, seeming confused as to why the bucket has fallen on the floor. He then picks it up and puts it back on the table before, and go, before going back into the house. It's... The Buckets of Doom! <laughs> the Buckets of Doom. I'm going to write a book called The Buckets of Doom. I've not written that one. It's all up here in my coconut. I've not put oh, that one. I've not committed that to paper yet. Good, good, good. But The Buckets of Doom. I like it. It's good, isn't it? I like it a lot. So he's got a haunted bicycle and a haunted bucket. <laughs> he's being haunted by a window cleaner. You'll be telling me next there's a ladder moving around on its own. And they washed his windows and charged him 10 bucks. Nope. Oh. <laughs> People viewing the footage were quick to comment on Facebook, with many claiming it must be the work of an invisible man or ghost. Why but not it a window a washer? Yeah, why isn't it a lady? Yeah. It's always a man. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to be on a bicycle with a bucket, aren't they? How many women have you seen riding a bicycle around with a bucket? Yeah. So it's a man at that point, isn't it? Sure. It's like they call them manhole covers, and they want to call them personhole covers. The moment I see a woman climb down a manhole, then we'll call it a personhole cover. Until that point, it's going to be a manhole cover. See where we are? Okay. <laughs> Surrounded by women. Probably not a good idea. Know your audience is what I'm thinking there. That brings to the end the round that is Ghosts and Hauntings. I'm on four. Michelle's Bucket and Bike story. <laughs> I've drunk in the Bucket and Bike. It's a fabulous pub. Two points. Heather's on minus two solely because Michelle said she should have some points. Sorry. You can fight amongst yourselves. After the show, this is the round now of UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men and hairy beasties. A UFO hunter has claimed he's spotted an ancient alien spire sticking up off the surface of the moon. Oh, here we go. Is the it alien? by the shoe, Adrian? Is it by the shoe? It's by that was on Mars. You're not paying attention. Oh, I'm sorry. This is on the moon. Never mind. This is on the moon. I know they sound very similar, yeah. and there's four letters in each. But this one starts with M. Starts with M. So you're not a million miles away. I'm not going to remove points for that. The alien enthusiast Mark Sawalha said he spotted the bizarre spike in a NASA image and believes it could be located on the roof of an alien camp. Mark, based in Finland, spotted the spire and estimates it to be around 3.64 miles tall. According to UFO Sightings Daily, the spire has been seen before in three images captured by the 1967 orbiter on the website a caption reads the spire looks to be coming out of the center of a crater but these are not craters 
but many small white shiny structures. The spire was probably built to accommodate a very large vessel so that it could dock safely without landing. Unsurprisingly, viewers were divided in their opinion of the image, with one writing, I don't know if I can imagine an antennae as a method of communication for alien kind. He's absolutely right. We don't even use antennas now. Nope. When was the last time you saw an aerial on a car? When was the last time you saw an aerial on a television? I'd That's be amazed true. if they were using those. Mm -hmm. But other conspiracy theorists were much more convinced, writing, could it be that the tower is a watching place to monitor the Earth? Verizon. You would not want. Can you hear me I now? bet they've got better. I bet they've got better reception than I've got in the Midwest. I could stand on the moon and get more bars than I could sat here in Southwest Minnesota, and it's three point six four miles tall. Do you like the fact that the satellites for telecommunication are one hundred and fifty, two hundred miles up into the air? But there's people holding their phone in the air, thinking they'll get better reception. Because that two feet is going to make a huge difference when that satellite is 200 miles above your head. Sometimes. <laughs> would, you want, would you want every day to climb up that antenna? If that was your job and it's a viewing platform and it's 3.64 miles tall, you'd have to start on Thursday, wouldn't you, to start your day's work on Monday? Yes. Can you imagine... You've got all the way to the top. It's taken you three days and you forgot your sandwiches. You've left your lunchbox down at the bottom. You'd be calling down, wouldn't you? Hello, can you come and get my lunch? Can you bring my lunch up? That's really obscure. I know. I'm just worried. If people wish to see the giant that antenna. That you wouldn't get your lunch? Yes, this is prominent. My day does not go by without me having stress about where my next meal's coming from and how it's going to be and what it's going to be. I want a sandwich. Most men have that issue. They're constantly thinking about where their next meal is going to be and what it's going to be. My dad really? would call my mother early in the morning. Back in the 1970s, the 1980s, my mother would get a phone call in the morning, be my dad, calling from work in London, saying to my mother, because my mother back in the day, everyone in Britain still does this to a degree, but my mother would walk up the shops. She would walk a couple of blocks to the local shops she would go to the bakers and get her bread. She would go to the butchers and get the meat. She would go to the fishmongers to get fish. She would go to the hardware store. You'd go to all the individual little stores and she would walk back with her shopping bags. So my dad would call my mum first thing in the morning and say, I really fancy for lunch, dinner, spaghetti bolognese or shepherd's pie, whatever it may be. And my mum would then go out at lunchtime with the shopping bags and just shop for that day's food. That's how things were back in the day. There was no freezers. There was limited room in the fridge. Woe betide, my dad come home that evening and it was a different meal to the <coughs> one he discussed with my mother. If he says, I really want sausages and mash, bangers and mash with mm. lots of onion gravy, if there was no sausages at the butcher's and my mother got him a nice pork chop, he'd been thinking all day, about sausage and mash. The disappointment on my dad's face, I can see now as a small child looking at my dad's face drop because he'd been thinking of sausage and mash all day and there sat a pork chop. I'm just saying this is prominent in a man's thinking. This is my day. This is all I'm thinking about. What's going to be my next food and how's it going to be prepared? 
Heather Morris, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? By the way, if you wish to see that antennae, you can visit our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers, with Adrian Lee, and I'll put a pork chop on there for you as well. And a picture of my shirt, just to show that it's green. Mint. Are termites responsible for fairy circles? No. Fairy circles. I thought that was mushrooms and fungus. I thought that was something to do with the groundworks Mm -mm. of fungus. I thought fungus grew in circles that affected the colour of the grass. No. It's termites, is it? These mysterious circular grass ring patches are still leaving scientists scratching their melons. Earlier this year... I've seen you scratching your melons. (laughs) It's not a pretty sight. No. She bought herself a central heated bra because this is Minnesota. And when she takes it off, it's called escaping from cold it's. (sighs) Controversial. Earlier this year, the phenomenon, which was previously thought to be exclusive to the deserts of Namibia was discovered for the first time in Australia as well, Hmm. leading to the theory that the circles are formed by plants organizing themselves to maximize their access to water and nutrients. Now, however, a separate group of researchers has put the dampener on this idea by instead suggesting that they are likely to be a remnant of termite nests, a theory that was previously dismissed because no correlation between the two could be found. Ecologist Fiona Walsh and her colleagues maintain that the termite idea does have merit as the indigenous people of Abidigenous. 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 (laughs) I've been hit by, I've been touched by a smooth (laughs) abidigenous. The people of Australia have long attributed the circles to the insects. Remnants of old termite colonies have also been found beneath some of the circles when they have been dug up. Only some of the circles, not all. Not all of them. Whether termites can account for all the circles found to date, however, remains to be seen. It's the fairies. It's the fae. We don't have termites in Britain. Do you have fairies? We have fairies. See? There's termites in this country that will carry your house away. I've done camping in this country where I pitch my tent and I wake oh. up in the morning. Oh, no. And it's two miles down the road from the campsite. I've been moved. Some of them have got saddles on them. You can ride them. I've seen ones with switchblades and tattoos. In Britain, they're very small. It will not do that. I don't agree that those things are in place. Termites in Australia. Building fairy circles. Do you know the difference between Aboriginal an Aborigine. An Aboriginal is a native of Australia. An Aborigine is just a native of any country. So Native American Indians are an Aborigine of America. You see where we are? Yeah. Informative. I shall give myself points. Oh, boy. Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? The hunt is on for a sea monster in the Humber River. A new campaign has been launched in England to attempt to track down the elusive Humber monster. I've the never Humber heard of monster? This. Humber. The Humber's a river. The river Humber. Oh. It's a Humber monster. Oh, not a Hummer monster. Not a no. Hummer monster. What's Humber. a Hummer monster? I have no idea what such things are. Oh, boy. You're going to find out. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to do some work on Wikipedia whilst you're reading this story. Huh? Sightings of a large aquatic creature in the Humber River, which has been described as a large, oddly shaped beast with a gargantuan head. Oh, my. 
Heather Morris is doing some sort of mind-based. This is the radio, and I'm not going to describe for our listeners what you're currently doing. Okay. So- <laughs> I have nothing to add. I'm just. I'm, I'm on the internet searching out. The oddly shaped beast with a gargantuan head has been reported as far back as the 1920s. The 1920s, wow. Yeah. That's an old one. It is, but a goodie. (laughs) Now, after years of unconfirmed reports and inconclusive photographs, historian Mike Cubble, who heads up the Humber Monster Watch Group, has organized a series of patrols along the river in a renewed effort to solve the mystery of the enigmatic Desian once and for all. Yay! So there's people wandering up and down the banks of the river looking for a hummer. There. This is what we're saying here. Yes. During your story, mm-hmm. I was on the internet. Yeah, I how'd that the, go for I looked, you? I looked, well, there's some very interesting photographs. You got antivirus software on Oof, your computer? That. Yes, I, um, it reminded me of your mother in many respects. Oh, God, stop! I now know, I now know what a hummer monster is i i just thought i'd shed and it's mm. not something i'm going to be doing don't any, try this at home kids. No. Soon. no i'd like to think that you leave this show with more than you arrive with and i've left tonight i'll walk out of this studio now with more knowledge more wisdom than i came in with i've learned new things tonight See? we're covering new ground i should give michelle yeah. points she's now up to a very respectable and resplendent four points miss morris Ooh. last story in the round of ufos and cryptozoology A mysterious figure has been captured moving around at night just outside a gas station in Peru. Peru, Peru. the home of... Is it that swimmer? No, that was in Brazil. You're having real problems with your geography tonight, aren't you? (laughs) We're in Minnesota. We're in... You've got the right continent. I'm so drunk right now, it doesn't even matter. How are you saying you're getting your countries muddled up when you mistook the moon for Mars earlier? Well... Different... Bodies of planets. I here. got excited about the shoe. I know. We will go back and get it, I promise. I will promise we'll go back and get it. The strange footage, which has already been viewed almost one million times since it was first uploaded onto the YouTube at the end of last month, shows what looks like a small figure moving towards the right hand side of the frame along the outside edge of the building's That's parking my lot. My dad going in the middle of the night. To get a pork chop. In this Peru? is where in, when he's, he's a sleepwalker. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be problematic when he wakes up in Lima. Two men standing in the foreground who don't notice the figure until around one minute into the video can be seen walking towards it just as it's about to disappear off the side. The footage has generated a lot of discussion on social media with suggested explanations ranging from an extraterrestrial visitor to a deflated helium balloon being blown in the wind. There's a lot between those two, isn't there? Yes. There's a lot in that gap. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. Wow. That's like being back at art college. (laughs) Are you calling us fairies? There's always someone at art college. Who's got a guitar that's badly tuned and all they can play is knocking on heaven's door. It's three chords, four tops, and they're strumming away. There's always some idiot on a campsite. Wasn't that you? Three o'clock in the morning. Knock, knock, knocking <laughs> on heaven's door. That's the only thing they know. Three chords over and over again. In the middle of the night, I'm leopard crawling towards the campfire with a set of trusty wire cutters to immobilise the instrument. It's the oh. only song they know. Mm. There is no... It's the easiest song to play. It must be three chords tops, mustn't it? 
knocking on Evan's door. Nice. Bob Dylan. Nice. I can almost, I've regressed. It's art college. I went to art college back in the day. Oh. I can smell strange things. There's time people traveler. wandering. Time I am traveler. going backwards mm-hmm. and forwards in time. I shall give you points. You're Yay. back up to two. I got points. I'm nice. on four. Michelle's on four. Heather's on two as we go into our final round of the evening, which is the round of the strange and the bizarre. It's the stories from around the world that are too strange and too bizarre not to fit into any other category, but are too good. Not to read out live on air. A terrified tourist who took a secret picture of a witch's temple captured what appears to be a spooky apparition sitting down on a chair. Lee Hart of Really Haunted UK was at the Nidri St Vaults in Edinburgh on Saturday when he says there were unexplained disturbances including furniture being moved and missiles being lobbed at guests. This sounds like a normal a Saturday missile? Yeah, this night is Scotland. Out. This is Edinburgh. Of course, this goes on all the time. A missile. Yeah, like you're throwing a... Not a missile, like an Exocet or a Polaris. <laughs> There's not a ghost sat there with touch not like paper. like a Patriot missile, right? No, a Trident. <laughs> a ghost appeared and lit a Trident missile. We took out half of Russia. There's a ghost lighting the touch paper and suddenly you hear... <laughs> and it's gone. They've got four minutes. There's people I... having sex and cooking boiled eggs in that amount of time. Depending on whether you're hungry or whether you're in anybody at the time. There you go. It's a toss-up. We've got four minutes. The whole world's going to come to an end. Thermonuclear war. I could do myself a nice runny egg. Or we could have sex twice with a cigarette break. <laughs> but I love eggs. I do. I do love a runny egg. All those who attended say that the eerie shot shows clearly a spirit presence on the chair to the left. The ghost hunters take members of the public to haunted locations on Saturday night and had 20 guests. We split them into two teams, both using a Ouija board at the time. Oh Perfect. Mm. You take guests with you. They're completely unprotected and unprepared. And you open up the gates to Hades and say, come through, whatever's there, we don't care. The room where the photo was taken is, Lee says, a genuine witch's temple that is actually still in use by modern-day witches. Well, I'm surprised they let them go there then. I know. That's ridiculous. He goes on to say on the night, we had guests being touched and this incredible photograph. We had tables going crazy. Stones were being thrown at some of the guests. It was quite an active night. Quite an active night. Full-bodied apparitions, poltergeist activity, missiles being launched. Quite an active night. Quite an active night. What have you got for me, Miss Morris, in the round of The Strange and the Bizarre? Well, sometimes you eat the catfish, and sometimes the catfish falls from the sky and smacks you in the face. I like it. That'll teach you. Yeah, it goes like this. (laughs) It's raining cats and catfish. Yes. See what I did there? Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I was pleased. I'm happy. As long as you're happy. I'm in charge. I'm driving the bus, madam. Lisa Lobry learned the lesson Labor Day morning when she was walking to meet her core fitness class near the art museum. That was just oh, her spirit. Just a- that was her spirit doing that. Yeah, she was in be. bed asleep while her spirit was getting fit. Well, she heard some rustling in the <clears throat> trees and then... Ghost monkey. Suddenly I was slammed by something, Lobry recalled Friday. I was like, what? I was freaking out. What? Well, I'm, I'm guessing, what, <laughs> what, what are we going with here then? Argentina, what are we looking at? What's that? Yeah, something like okay, that. Okay, south. We're going south. Okay. The injuries were minor. The traumas, immeasurable. <sighs> she the, can't look a fish in the eye anymore. The, Scared to go into the aquarium. She can't touch cotton chips. She's not been in Long John Silver since. She's having therapy. This is a long story. Are you going to continue? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> 
Wow. The theory, a bird was flying with a fish in its mouth and accidentally dropped it on her face. <laughs> Why is she looking there up? A, there was a famous philosopher that died in Greece by having a turtle dropped on his head by an eagle. Yeah. Split him right down the middle. He got killed by a turtle falling a from turtle? the sky. Yes. Oh. True enough. I'm, I wish I'm I putting could. my helmet back on. Well, we have you got the bus journey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me help you with your coloring book. Lowbury immediately buckled to the ground, screaming. The only logical reaction when one is assaulted by a flying fish with whiskers. Whiskers? Mm, yeah. Her friends started screaming something about a fish, and people were asking if she was okay. There may have been some crying involved. Who <laughs> <laughs> throws a fish? It definitely hurt me, and I don't know what happened, Lowbury said. At first, she thought there were fish guts on her face, but it turned out <laughs> to be... A makeup. No, a cut. Oh. She had a cut near her eye. Later, her face started swelling. Jeannie Manusco, co-owner of Core Fitness, said... That she started instructing at about 9 a.m. boot camp class when one of Lobry's friends came running over. <laughs> I said, what's she happening? She was asthmatic as well, was <laughs> she? <laughs> I said I'd get your inhaler by the end of the show. I said, what's happening? She said, Lisa's been hit by a fish. I can't believe the amount of effort and acting you're putting into this. I love it. Manusco <laughs> recalled, I handed her my phone. Then I made a couple of jokes. To the rest of the class. Let's hear him then. Uh, well, she didn't say what the jokes oh! were. <laughs> I know it was a big. We'll letdown. never know what they are, but they'll be fish and rain related. I'm sure. It's a crazy, crazy thing. There's no need to carp on about it. Oh, it could have been so much worse. Really, it could have been worse. Yeah, it could have been a dolphin. What if it hit a Pulpus. child? It was not a fun experience, but there are so many worse things that could have happened. It's probably, and this really got me, it's probably one of the strangest things that have happened to me in my life. One. 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 She's one. often hit one of the? by falling animals. I don't understand. That how, That should be the strangest thing that's ever happened to you. Not Definitely. one of. Depends no. which part of the country she's from. I kind of want to know what her other strange things are I do now. too. I'm guessing it's involving Dairy Queen. Oh, I'm just saying. Before Monday, she had never caught a catfish before. <clears throat> it was my first catfish that my face ever caught. Oh, no. She's noodling with her face. She's Great. noodling with her face. Fabulous. I'm glad you know what noodling is. It is, yes. It's when you oh, stick so your proud. arm into a hole and the fish crabs <laughs> no, you. No, no, no. <laughs> Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? I'm excited about this story. I'm excited for you. Columbia woman crashes funeral and tries to remove the body from the casket. You're not oh. having it. It's mine, I tell you. Oh. Cynthia Frierson, 36, was charged with disrupting a funeral or memorial service, public intoxication. Nice. I'm not done yet. Driving on a revoked or suspended license. She's racking them up. Immediate notice of accident. And unlawful drug paraphernalia. Unlawful drug paraphernalia. She had a bong, didn't she, of some description? Crack pipe. Oh. oh. Crack pipe. Yeah. Oh. Spoiler. Sorry. So, oh. sorry. <laughs> and that brings to a conclusion tonight's show. The Columbia woman was arrested on Monday after she allegedly tried to remove a body from a casket during a funeral service. During? Yep. 
She just like creaked open the she lid. She had and... a crowbar. You don't mind me. You carry on singing. I'm going to open this up. No, it was open. It was open. Uh-huh. It was on display. Yeah. So she was trying to grab them out. Yeah. What? She yeah. wanted a carpool. She oh. didn't want to use. She wanted to use the carpool lane. Let, let me are. build this up for you. Oh, good. A red pickup driven by Frierson allegedly sideswiped vehicles parked in front of houses, according to the police report. While the police were speaking with the owner of one of the vehicles, they received a call from dispatch saying that Frierson was causing a disturbance at the Roundtree Napier Ogilvy Funeral Home. That's very detailed. Yes. We'll have to go there. At the funeral home, officers spoke with a witness who said Frierson showed up at the funeral home as they were actively having a funeral and walked up to the open casket. She allegedly then began grabbing at the body inside of the casket and at one point attempted to get the body out of the casket. Did she know the deceased or was this just a random act? Was I think so, she was so drunk she and didn't high. Know there was mm-hmm. someone else's funeral. So she didn't even know the deceased. No. Wouldn't it be, you can imagine you're screaming, don't leave me, don't go, I can't bear my... Oh, sorry, I'm the three <laughs> o'clock. This was the two o'clock. My apologies. Funeral attendees were angry and asked Rearson to leave the witness allegedly told the police. The witness said Frierson then refused to leave and approximately six people had to pull her away from the casket and take her outside. They're not going to forget Uncle Dave's funeral in a hurry, are they? That'll be the talking point of every Christmas from now on in. In the same way that lady can now discuss the fish flying out of the sky and smacking her in the chops like a Monty Python sketch. Nobody will believe her. No. No. Apart from the fact that she's got a big mark across her face with guts everywhere. Guts. Guts. He's got the guts. Police then spoke with Frierson, who was outside the funeral home. She allegedly smelled of alcohol and her speech was slurred, according to the report. In addition to the charges related to the vehicle accidents and public intoxication, Frierson was charged with disorderly conduct at funerals. Uh, there's a, <laughs> there's dis- something for that? Disorderly conduct at, at a funeral. funeral. There's an app for that. <laughs> Due to her grabbing of the body inside of the casket, which was offensive to the sensibilities of an ordinary person. Well, They're making stuff up yeah. here. I want to be arrested for that. I'm going to do the hokey pokey. You put your left leg in, your left leg out, in, out, in, out, and then I'm arrested. She had a busy day. She had yeah. a full day. Hmm. Yes. Who knew such wondrous things? We have now reached our favorite round of the evening. It is the round that we call Not For Your Mother, the round that we can't read out live on air which means you are now accessing us in our archives many thanks for joining us you're all tech savvy people and i'm pleased you came and got us it's good times i have yes. some many wondrous stories tonight an exhibitionist who stuck poor balls up his bottom as a pub prank has avoided prison for his latest crime oh. Paul balls why they're quite large aren't they that's large yes. that's like the that's size y- plural Yes, Paul Balls. Yes, Ooh. yes. That's like an apple, isn't it, almost? Why? Do you think he wrecked... <laughs> did he wreck them first? I mean, where's the triangle? This is what I'm going. <laughs> Which one Which one? did he put up there? Was it the I don't ball? know. It was the 11 and the 2. I have the no... cue ball? I'm guessing it was the brown one. Oh. Drunken Simon Coleman, 32, took out his penis in a pub and waved it close to a pub worker who told him to put it away. <laughs> He then dropped his trousers and tried to insert pole balls into his bottom as he was perched on the side of the table. Simon then potted the purple in the corner pocket. 
Coleman uh, told police the incidents in Bristol were just boys' banter. I don't ever recall having boys' banter growing up in my circle of friends that involved putting pub leisure activities up one's bottom. But he was charged and admitted exposure and sexual assault. He also, sexual assault? Yes, on himself? On himself. Oh. He also pleaded guilty to stealing a bottle of whiskey and running into Where a local... Where do you put that? <laughs> She's my brown-eyed girl. Oh, people around the world have taken another shot. I'm hoping that's a miniature and not a Jeroboam is where we are. He then ran into a local amateur football club with his trousers down and his penis exposed. Surprise! (laughs) Coleman of Bristol was given a suspended sentence and the chance to stay out of trouble. But Bristol Crown Court heard that just a couple of months later, he assaulted his girlfriend, who he met in rehab. Wow, healthy relationship. (laughs) Despite the reoffending, Coleman was given a further chance with a two-year suspended jail sentence. But he has to stay away from pub-based entertainment. Heather Morris, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not for Your Mother? Oh, I have a coast path flasher. Coastal path flasher. Flasher. So you're up in the highest part of the cliffs. Yep. You're in Britain in the coastline, the wind's whistling through your hair. Yes. It's a bracing walk amongst the wildflowers, the birds are tweeting in the trees. And you're flashing away. And you're flashing away <laughs> with yep. it blowing in the wind. Yep, billowing. As God intended. Mm. Flapping about. Yes. And then you flee back to your car. Because a woman walker told you that uh, that's a poor excuse for a willy. A poor excuse for a willy. (laughs) My mother, God bless her, (laughs) had a dirty phone call in our house when I was a kid. The phone rang. She got up. This is a true story, I swear. She gets up, answers the phone. There's a guy on the other end of the phone going, I bet you don't know. What I'm holding in my right hand. And my mum says, if you're only holding it in one hand, I'm not interested. <laughs> and she put the phone down. He never called back. <laughs> and then my dad rang back again and asked if he was going to get a pork chop or sausages. Oh, no. But that was a true story. That genuinely happened. You do not call and do a dirty phone call to an East End Cockney woman because she will cut you down to the quick in one sentence. <laughs> this is what happened. So she said to this man, that's a poor excuse for a willy. Yes. Was it cold? Was it breezy? What are well, we looking hold at here? On. Okay, I want detail. Andres Mergelas allegedly exposed himself to two different women in the space of just three weeks at Footpass or Woodland near Bideford. The first woman brushed him off with a put-down but noted part of the number plate on his BMW as he left. That's but, Biddeford. I just thought I'd no, share that with No, you. it's BMW. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that was the Biddeford 7 series, but my mistake... You continue. The second told him to grow up and get back in his car. Mergales says he was the victim of mistaken identity. It in wasn't the first his willy. Incident. It wasn't his willy. And he was relieving himself and trying to cope with a fungal infection on the second. <laughs> Whoa! How many times? I, I have to, fungal you know, infection. What? He was walking and had to sort out. <laughs> 
a fungal infection. There's a fungus among us. That's why. Is the air good for that? I don't know. It's bracing. <laughs> he wants to dangle that in the sea and see what happens. Oh, needling. He, he was <laughs> he was identified because a dog walker who was with the first alleged victim recognized the white BMW or Bideford. Bideford. Parked oh, <laughs> outside his house and noted down the full number plate. Margales, age twenty-three. Plate. Yes, this he had is, a plate with his phone number on it, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. We have those in Britain. I know. Mergellis, age 23, of Dudley Way, westward, ho! Ho! Denies two offenses of exposure and one of common assault in the trial at Exeter Crown Court. He's just told everyone who wants to care. This happened in Devon in Britain, and here we are in the Midwest, going to 190 countries with mm-hmm. 100,000 listeners around the world. Around the world. Around the world. <laughs> you spin me right round, baby, <laughs> right, right round. round. Like a record, baby, right round, round, round. <laughs> but he's got a fungal infection, and he's willy. Yeah. He's got athlete's willy. It looks like cauliflower. <laughs> Looks like cauliflower. Would that be a cauliflower cheese? Oh, oh no, you did it. Always take it so far. Mr. <sighs> Edward oh, Hetherington. Quick, everyone get ready. They're going to get a drink in a minute. <laughs> oh, no. People in Germany, stand by with your Jägermeister. Mr. <sighs> Edward Hetherington, prosecuting, said the first incident took place on the path on Westward. Oh, oh. On June. What? what? That's I'm, a town, apparently. Is it really? Yeah, it's it. It even has exclamation points. So I was <laughs> giving it her all. <laughs> oh, oh. Why on. are you repeating it? I don't understand what's going on. I like saying ho. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on anyway, on January twentieth, two thousand fifteen, and the second at Northam on February ninth, two thousand fifteen. He said the first occurred as two friends returned to Westward Ho from a two-hour walk on the coastal path at around 12.30 p.m. And they had just split up. One woman was walking through the path when she encountered Mergalis near a dog mess bin. That's always where you want to be. This is romantic, isn't it? Oh, that's so sexy. Flash a woman. You make sure you've got a fungal infection and you do it near a dog mess. (laughs) That's what every woman wants, isn't it? There's people out there taking notes. He's driving a BMW, to be fair. He is. So, I mean, you know, he's going in the right direction there. She realized she had opened the fly zip of his trousers and was exposing himself to her. He did that or she did that? She realized that that's what he was doing. She realized that's what he was doing. Yep, and she saw his genitals, and it's clear about what she saw. It looked like Winston Churchill being pensive. She said, that's a poor excuse for a willy. He said something like, would you like some of this? (laughs) No, thank you. It's got cauliflower on it. (laughs) I'm allergic to vegetables. I'd noticed. <laughs> the woman turned around and rejoined her friend and took a partial number of the plate and then noted the full number after finding the car in a nearby street. Mr. Hetherington said another woman was walking her dog near Northam when she saw a white BMW parked up and a man on the path. He grabbed her wrist as if to pull her round and she pulled her arm away and saw he was holding down the front of his trousers and she could clearly see his genitals. So, anyway, 
We're going to kind of go. It's just story going to come blah, to blah, an blah, end blah. at some point. Anyway. <laughs> yes. The first woman told the jury that she had made a positive identification of Mergalis. They had the a lineup. <laughs> it was the usual suspects. Right. Could number uh, five take his willy out again? Yeah, it was definitely number five. Yeah, yeah number five. The number five. Yeah, well, she identified him because he was wearing a black jacket and black chinos. What's a chino? Oh, chino. <laughs> They're like slacks. Okay. They're like khakis. They're khakis. Dockers. Yeah, they're khakis. Khakis. Whatever. Khakis. <laughs> That's right, khakis. I noticed him by his khakis. <laughs> well, he was driving a BMW. You might have dropped them. You want some of this? <laughs> no, you're right. She said, I said, for God's sake, I know it's cold, but... That is just an excuse for a willy. She's nailed that Devon accent, isn't she? Every people in nailed Exeter it. and Torquay now thinking nailed that it. she's a native. Once I said that, he did not have anything else to say. A shop manager had to spend 10 hours in hospital after one of his workers gave him a sweet laced with Viagra as an April Fool's Day prank. Bargain store employee Benjamin Choke bought 30 Viagra tablets online and used them to make a tray of homemade jellies, which he took to work on April the 1st. Nice. Interesting he used jellies because that's kind of the opposite effect, right? Do you remember, you read this story out Yes. back in the day. Mm-hmm. I'm covering this again now because this is his sentence. So he did this on April the 1st. Back in April, you read this story out, if you recall. Yes. He has now been sentenced. And I promised our listeners... At that time, I would let you know how that would go for him. Was it a stiff sentence? Oh, it was a nice. soft one in many respects. <laughs> Manager Daniel Weber ate most of one of the poison sweets before he realized it tasted odd and discovered it contained the erectile dysfunction medication when other workers let in him on the joke. He tried to vomit out the Viagra but still felt so ill he was taken to hospital where he spent 10 hours being treated before the effects of the drug wore off and how was he treated hours i'm guessing they had a bag of frozen peas at that point if someone offers you if someone offers you some jellies that they're homemade on the first of april would you eat them is where i'm going i blame him if someone has if someone came up to you and said i've made you some homemade candy it's the first of april would you is what i'm saying now staff at the home bargain store in newton abbott devon it's all happening in devon isn't it if people aren't flashing themselves on cliff faces and walking around department stores with erections had been joking about what would happen if one of their managers got an erection at work before chope decided to carry out his prank chope 24 was sacked and prosecuted for administering a poisonous substance but escaped with a soft sentence (laughs) when he appeared at Exeter Crown Court. He was ordered to do 80 hours unpaid work as part of a 12-month community order by recorder Mr. Philip Mott QC. He told him, what a fool, what a terrible April Fool's joke. It went wrong in a big way and Mr. Weber had to go to hospital (laughs) and was no doubt very frightened by the ordeal. This was potentially dangerous because Viagra, for all of its other effects, affects blood flow and might be dangerous to someone with heart or circulatory difficulties which you would not know about miss caroline bolt prosecuting said both chope and mr weber had worked at the store for about three and a half years and got on very well on april 1st he arrived with jelly sweets 
which was not unusual as he often brought in homemade treats. Miss Bolt said he said they were for the managers to try and he subsequently asked Mr. Webber if he had tried the sweets. The manager said he would try them later. He then asked again much later and Mr. Webber tried one sweet at about 2pm. It was quite a large sweet and when he was about three quarters of the way through he decided it didn't taste quite right. (laughs) Three quarters, huh? Someone asked him if he knew what was in it and they told him it contained Viagra. About 15 minutes later he felt the effects. He went to the lavatory and tried to bring up the sweet but produced only bile. He felt worse and worse and asked Chope if he had put Viagra in the jelly and he said yes. He was taken to the minor injuries unit. I'm sorry to hear that. If I had a Viagra poisoning issue, I'd want to go to the major injuries unit. Yes. And not the minor, minor injuries yes. unit. Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? I have the anti-gun dildo campaign, which has finally begun at the University of Texas. Finally! Finally! Finally. We've been waiting on this. Yes. We've been sat on this for some time now, just waiting. Sat on? I haven't. No, No. you haven't, no. (laughs) Dildo-wielding college students are facing off against gun-loving... Gun lovers? Gun-loving... Gun-loving gun lovers. Gun-loving gun lovers. Excellent. You give me unbelievable belief, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) At the University of Texas flagship Austin campus, where a statewide campus carry law went into effect on August the 1st. In protest of the new law, which forces all public colleges and universities in Texas to allow people with concealed carry permits to carry firearms in classrooms and dorms. Oh, God. It's ridiculous. I know. It's just... They're allowing people to carry guns into classrooms and dormitories. Oh, God. Because just... students don't get drunk and run around and do ridiculous things with drugs, do they? What's the continual worst basis. that can happen? Oh. <sighs> UT Austin students and alumni are openly carrying sex toys around campus under the mantle of a campaign called Cox, not Glocks. Put the money in the bag and no one gets hurt. (laughs) So do you carry them in a holster? I think they've got them over their shoulder is where we are, like a rifle. What what are we looking (laughs) at? How big are yours? What kind of caliber are we looking at here? Oh, a 12-gauge. A 12-gauge, I thought. <laughs> Semi-automatic. Wow. Double barrel. Yeah. I can't compete with well. <laughs> I've got a little handgun I put in my handbag. <laughs> what are those a little... Derringer. D- yeah, a little derringer. I've got a derringer. But I go walking around the coastal paths of Britain with it, if that helps. It's a, cold out. I've got a derringer. <laughs> That barely penetrated the skin. (laughs) Wow. Recent UT alumna Jessica Jinn planted the seeds for the protest last year, soon after Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed the bill into law. She made a Facebook event a year in advance for for a campaign that launched this Wednesday. The first day of classes, dildos and guns are equally effective at protecting innocents from mass shooters, Jin wrote. But silicone phalluses are much safer for recreational play. Guns and dildos. I've got all their albums. (laughs) I thought I'd mention that. November Pain is my (laughs) favourite. You broke the bell! What? For the benefit of our listeners, at the end of my bell has just fallen off. Great. 
This will be the fifth one. I'll see if I can get that on with a bit of Gorilla Glue. No. Oh. It, oh. 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 Oh, no. no. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. This has never happened to me before. Perhaps we can try again. I need to weld that on. Oh. Too vigorous. That's the trouble. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know my own strength half the time. That's going to be problematic. You smack it so hard. I'm sorry. Jeez. I thought that's what you wanted. Jin's <laughs> plan finally came to a glorious, turgid fruition this week. Turgid? Fruition. Turgid fruition. That's what I said. She and <laughs> She and fellow organizer Anna Lopez collected around 4,500 dildos to distribute to Cox, not Glock's participants. I'm How guessing. many do they have down there? Well, that's a big campus. Hang on a second. They wow. aren't cheap, are they? Four no. 4,400. 500. 500. Is there some sort of donation center? Like yes. in the middle of the... Do you know when you recycle your cans and your tins and your newspapers and everything I don't else? want a recycled one of those. I'm just saying, I wonder if they had some sort of recycling facility. Well, the next sentence I'll tell you. Most of the dildos were donated by sex toy manufacturers, sex shops, and area artists. The end. That brings to a conclusion the round that is the strange and the bizarre. Well, all good things must come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery, it is Heather Morris, who managed to claw her way back to three remarkable points. You can take bets on it. But in resplendent first place with the $33,000 IR Camera's Michelle, who scored Yay! six tonight and pipped me by one point, and I am on five. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time, and I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre, and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show, and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee, or you can follow my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips remember we now do an extra 20 minutes of the show in a round called not for your mother that we can't possibly read out live on air for fear of being removed or getting a hefty fine if you go to soundcloud.com and search for mqta radio you will find all of our extended episodes there. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jeton Drainer, Michelle Corrie, and all at the International Paranormal Society, Int, Paranormal.net, and all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area, Paranormal Interest Group, and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember, be interested <laughs>